0: Thank you, brother. Thank you, worship team, for doing what you do. The Lord uses you greatly, and we're so thankful for you. I tell you what, I have, uh, I've missed being in church this last week. We, uh, as you know, we went traveling last week to uh, Chattanooga, took a short vacation up there. And, and uh, I know you enjoyed Brother Ricky. I'm so thankful for that brother. love him so much, him and uh, Miss Lisa and their whole family. Uh, just great folks, and uh, so thankful for the message that he brought. I uh, listened to it this week on our, on our Facebook page. He did a great job, and I'm so thankful he was able to come. But boy, I, I missed being here with you last Sunday, and then Wednesday night we were snowed in <laughs> or snowed out, if you want to make, call it that. But uh, either way, we, we didn't have service Wednesday night. And folks, one thing that I'm so very thankful for, when I miss church, I really miss church. You know, I I got a desire for the things of God. That song was just talking about I'm not the same. I've been changed. I'm redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Let me tell you why I've got a desire for the things of God because I didn't used to have a desire for the things of God. Matter of fact, if I could get out of being in a church service like this one, I certainly would. If I could come up with any excuse in the world, I would come up with it so I wouldn't have to be uh, here doing what we're doing this morning. But after I got real with Jesus and Jesus got real with me, he put a desire within my heart for the things of God. And so now I want what God has for me. Man, I, I desire to be in the presence of God, with the people of God, in the place of God, with the word of God. That's, that's a powerful thing. And when I don't get to do that, well, I really miss it. And I've missed seeing you, missed being with you uh, this last week. And I've just been sitting on G, waiting on O for this morning. Can't wait to see what God is going to do uh, right here in this service today. But I, how many of y'all think thankful this morning? You're not the same. You've been changed. <laughs> me too. What a powerful song, been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, been made new in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says we, um, that we have died to the old man, that we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Because we've been redeemed, we've been bought back from the bondage of sin, and made the children of Almighty God. What a blessing that truly is. Take your Bibles, turn with me to Romans chapter number 6. We're going to be looking primarily at one verse, and I'm going to be skipping around just a little bit this morning, so I ask that you follow me in your Bible if you you can. If not, please write these scriptures down, because I want you to go back and see that I'm telling you the truth. I want you to know that uh, I'm not getting this From anything except the Word of God. Folks, if what I say doesn't match what God's Word says, then it doesn't matter much what I say. But if what I say is in line with and finds its foundation in the Word of God, uh, then it's powerful and it speaks to hearts and it changes lives. Now in Romans chapter 6, and the 23rd verse, it's a very familiar passage of Scripture that I'm sure you've heard many times. But man, it is power packed in this one verse. Watch what it says. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. Thank you for what you've done for me. Lord, I'm so thankful that you have redeemed me. I'm so thankful that you've made a change in my heart. You've made a change on the inside that's made a difference on the outside. I'm thankful today, Holy Spirit, that you continually Work on me, work in me. And Lord, I pray this morning that you work through me. Lord, I'm thankful for your conviction power. I'm thankful for your chastisement. I'm thankful, Lord, that you bring me to the place where I recognize and realize what I need more than anything else is you. Lord, today, what we need more than anything else is you. Lord, these people need not hear what I have to say. Lord, I'm praying we all hear straight from heaven. I'm praying you move me out of the way and you use me to speak your truth to your people. Lord, I am nothing. I can do nothing. And I'm praying by your power today, Holy Spirit, you would do the work necessary to accomplish your will. In Jesus' mighty name and for your sake we pray. Amen. This morning I want to speak to you on the subject of of our greatest enemy. Now when I'm talking about our greatest enemy, I'm not talking about, excuse me, the snowstorm of 2021. I know that's kind of been all of our greatest enemy this last week and it's still wreaking havoc in some way as I told you a moment ago, we still don't have water here at the church. So it's all been an enemy to us to some degree, but the enemy that I'm speaking of not only affects those in this room, but affects everybody throughout the world. It affects everybody listening to me this morning over the internet. Uh, People across the globe uh, have the same enemy that we all have right here today. And the Bible tells us about it right in Romans chapter number 6. The enemy that I'm speaking of is the enemy of death. This morning, I want to give you four points concerning our greatest enemy. Number one, I want you to see that death is a determined foe. Now, when I say that death is a determined foe, what I mean by that is that we're all going to have to deal with it. See, I've got really some bad news for you this morning. Unless Jesus comes back and receives his church unto himself, unless he raptures his church, me, you, and everybody else, we're all going to face death. I'm going to die, you're going to die, we're all going to die. I think it was uh, Mark Twain who said the mortality rate of human beings is one out of one, and he's right. That's exactly That's exactly the truth. Folks, we're all going to face death. It's true for me, true for you, true for everybody. We don't like to talk about that. We don't like to think about that. But the truth is, death is a determined foe and we're all going to have to deal with it. We all need to be ready for it. I, the, the Bible never cuts corners. The Bible never sugarcoats truth. The Bible gives you exactly what you need for life And tells you how to get ready for death. (laughs) And in Romans chapter 6 and verse number 23, he tells us exactly how we receive life and get ready for death. And it's very important that we see that. Every tick of the clock across the globe, somebody dies. And the truth is, one of these days, the tick is going to be my turn. And I'm going to close my eyes in death. And you're going to close your eyes in death. It's true for every one of us. I'm reminded of what the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter number 1 and verse number 24. Brothers, if you will, please put that on the screen for me. Peter writes something here that makes it clear that death is apparent to all of us in the physical world. Look what Peter says. 1 Peter chapter 1 and the 24th verse. For all flesh is as grass and the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth. And the flower thereof falleth away. Now Peter says the same thing that many of you probably heard Shakespeare say. Or at least read what Shakespeare wrote. Shakespeare said that man uh, struts and frets his hour upon the stage and then he is no more. And he's right. He's saying the same thing that Peter saying that all flesh is as grass, and it withers and falls away. In just a few weeks or maybe another month, maybe two, we're all going to see the grass in our yards green up. But right now, it's dead because of the winter cold. Now that's going to green up in the spring, and we'll mow it and take care of it uh, throughout the summer. Then when winter comes, what's going to happen? That grass is going to fall away. That grass is going to fade away. Those spring flowers that bloom uh, in April and March... They're going to fall away when it gets about October, September, October, when the cold weather moves in. And Peter compares that grass as our fleshly, physical existence. And he says, we're all falling away. Tick, 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 tick. As the clock ticks by, we get ever closer to death that we're all going to face. Peter says that death is apparent when we look at the physical world. But not only do I want you to see that death is apparent in the physical world, but you also need to know death is an appointment that we're all going to keep, every one of us. Take your Bibles, look with me in the book of Hebrews. I want you to turn there. Keep your place in the book of Romans. We'll get back there in just a moment. But in Hebrews chapter number 9, the Bible gives us some truth here that we all need to see. Hebrews 9 and verse number 27, watch this. The writer says it like this, and as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. Do you know that we all have an appointment with death? I've got an appointed time that my eyes will close in death, and you have an appointed time that your eyes will close in death. You say, no, wait, brother, I mean, I, listen, I eat right and I exercise and I take my medicine just like I'm supposed to take it. So I'm planning on living for a long time. Well, I'm glad you've got plans, but I've also heard it said that God laughs at the plans of men. And he does. See, the truth is you can eat right and exercise every day, run a marathon if you choose to, but you may get hit by a truck tomorrow. Death is coming for us all. There is an appointed time that I'm going to die. heard a story one time about a man. He was walking down the street. He walks around the street corner and runs face to face right into death. And death looked really surprised to see him. And so it scared the man. And he took off running the other way. And he went to the wisest old man he knew and he walked in and he said, you're not going to believe what just happened to me. I walked around the street corner and I saw death staring me eye to eye. And the old man said, well, if I were you, I would run as fast as I could to the next city to the closest city and get away from death if he's looking for you here maybe he'll miss you there and so that's what the man did he ran as fast as he could go to the next city and he walks around the street corner and the city that he got to and lo and behold death was staring him right in the face and the man said well I just saw you in my old city yesterday and I knew you would look surprised to see me and I ran away from you and death said I look surprised because I knew I had an appointment with you right here today we can try and run, we can try and hide, we can try and do everything we can do to cheat death, but the truth is, it's a determined foe. We've all got to deal with it. Peter said death is apparent in the physical world that we live in the grass withers and the flower fades, and the writer of the book of Hebrews says that death is an appointment that we're all going to keep, each and every one of us. Now, the only problem with the appointment with death is this, folks. If I've got a doctor's appointment next Tuesday at 9 o'clock, then I know where I need to be next Tuesday at 9 o'clock to keep my appointment. But when death comes, we don't know what time it's coming. We don't know the time of our appointment. And so we must be ready. So let me answer a very important question. Why do we face death? Why does death come our way? Well, in Romans chapter 6, verse number 23, the Bible gives us the answer. Watch what it says. For the wages of sin is death. If you believe it, say amen. Now, <clears throat> excuse me. What are, what are wages? Everybody knows what wages are. I mean, if I work at my job and, and do, the, do the work that I'm supposed to do, then I am paid a wage at the end of the week or, or, or whenever you get paid you're going to receive payment for the work that you do. Well, the Bible says the wages for sin is death. What you get paid for sin is death. And how many of you understand we're all going to face death because we are all sinners? Do you know that we are sinners, folks, just by our very birth? Romans chapter 5 and verse number 10 says, As by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so that death passed upon all men. When Adam sinned in the garden, the Bible says sin entered the world, and because of that sin, death passed to all men. Death is a very unnatural thing. Let me tell you why. Because God created human beings to live for an eternity. If you've ever been at the bedside of a loved one or a friend when they leave uh, this walk of life. I don't mean to be morbid, but I'm just being real this morning with you. I've heard that last gasp of the body trying to stay alive. Let me tell you why. We were meant to stay alive. God created human beings to stay alive. But because of Adam's sin that was passed down to all of us through the seed of man, we all came here sinners. I was born into sin just like you were born into sin. David said it like this. My mother, I was, I was, she conceived me in sin. Through the seed of man, sin was passed down generation to and generation, and generation, all the way down to you and me, and with sin comes death. We are sinners by our very birth. We are sinners by action. I mean, know oh, we've all chosen to do things we know are unpleasing to God? The Bible says plainly that anybody who transgresses God's law sins because transgression of the law is sin. The book of James says that for a man to know to do what's right and do it not, to that man it is sin. So we're sinners in action. How I mean, you know we're also sinners in attitude? No doubt about it. I was telling a man last night, it's amazing how the Lord does things, I'm telling you. He, I had church at the gym last night. I went to the gym and was uh, about to Get in and exercise for the day. I walk in and sit down and this man comes up and we begin talking about current events and what's going on in the world. And it's amazing how God just opened the door for me to share my faith, for me to share Jesus, to maybe encourage him as he encouraged me. And we sit there as brothers in Christ and just enjoyed a time of fellowship together. It's amazing how God does it. Don't you like when God intervenes in those situations in your life? Don't you like when God gives you those divine appointments that you know come from Him? Don't you like when God opens those doors so that you can minister and show the love of Jesus? It's amazing. Well, that happened to me last night, and that's one thing that we were talking about, is how that the problems that we're facing today is because of sin. And we've all got a problem because we're all sinners. And I told him, I said, listen, brother, I tell my church all the time. I'll tell you again this morning. I'm center, I, sometimes I'm a sinner in attitude. Matter of fact, if you could take my thoughts that I sometimes think and put it up on this screen so that everybody could see it, some of those thoughts that sometimes pop in my head, if you could take those and put them on that screen, you probably wouldn't let me preach next Sunday. However, if I could take your thoughts and put them up on that screen, I'd have a whole lot more to preach about. Why? Because we've all got this problem with sin. We're sinners by our very birth. We're sinners in action. We're sinners in attitude. We're sinners standing in need of a Savior. And because of that sin, death is a determined foe that we've got to deal with. But not only do I want you to see death as a determined foe, but death is also a demanding foe. Now, what do I mean? You ever been around some demanding people? How many ever been around some demanding people? If you're a parent, raise your hand. You parents know what demanding people are all about, don't you? Grandparents, y'all know it. See, when my kids were little bitty things, they were certainly demanding. When they were in the terrible twos and threes, oh my goodness. They were so demanding, they didn't care what was going on. They wanted their way, when they wanted it, how they wanted it, then, right now. Uh, matter of fact, if they, if they were hungry, it didn't matter what mom and dad had going on. You better get them something to eat they fished a pitch of fit. They were very demanding. I remember when Gage was, I'm going to embarrass him just a little bit this morning, maybe not too much, but when he was about two or three years old, he had a favorite stuffed animal. It's called ducky is this yellow duck with a big old bill on the front of it, and he carried ducky everywhere. I mean, you didn't go anywhere without ducky, and you better have ducky when it's time to go to sleep at night, or nobody sleeps. And at that time, we were pastoring down in Lamar County, And uh, we had been at church all day. I mean, just a busy Sunday like we sometimes have. Something going on continually all day long. And we got uh, to the end of the day. And man, I was just give out, ready to go home. And so was the the rest of the family, all of us. We jump in the car, man, head to the house. Get all the way home and Gage figures out, probably two, three years old, that Ducky is not in the car with him. And he became very demanding. (laughs) And I knew right then... If we didn't go get Ducky, we was all going to suffer all night long. And so I drove 25 miles back to the church and got Ducky because he wanted it right then, right now. So as parents, we know what demanding people are like. Well, do you know death is very demanding? See, death don't care whether or not you're ready. When he comes, he just comes death don't care how old you are when you die when your appointment time comes when your tick becomes your turn then he comes then doing it his way that's death see i know most of us have our death planned out we're going to live a happy life and do everything we ever wanted to do and then about at 98 years old we're going to Get in our pajamas and put our slippers under our bed and slip up under the covers and just drift out into eternity as we fall asleep. And that's how we all want it. And maybe that'll be so, but let me tell you something. You don't have to be 98 to die. You can be 28, you can be 58, you can be 18, you can be 8. Death is demanding, and when he comes, he has his way. I was reading. A few years ago, and I I wrote this down because I found it very interesting about just how demanding death is and some of the different ways that people face death. I read a story of Amelia Lynch. She's 28 years old. She was in New York City and was struck in the head by a flower pot and killed. She was making a phone call and a lightning bolt struck a flower pot eight stories above where she was talking on the phone. The flower pot falls off, hits her on the head and kills her. Another story I read about Howard Lee Duncan. Howard Lee Duncan was mowing his grass while his family was him. So he's mowing his grass with a push lawn mower and just like that, grabs his left side and falls to the ground dead. Suddenly, doing fine, and then all of a sudden, he dies. He was 56. You see, Howard Lee Duncan was mowing his grass and a half-inch piece of wire, no bigger than a pencil lid, was slung from up underneath the mower, went through his body on the left side and killed him. I read about Carlos bumbus He was a fisherman in the Philippines. He was get, cleaning the nets that he had just pulled up, and, and when he, he yawned because he was tired, and when he yawned, one of the fish jumped down his throat. Now that sounds funny, but it wasn't to Carlos. Before they could unlodge the fish, he suffocated and died. See, death don't care where you are, what you're doing, how old you are, what you've got planned. I'm sure none of those folks I just mentioned to you planned that death was coming that day, but it came. None of those people in the cemetery out here that's laying beneath these tombstones, at least their physical bodies, none of them planned that death was coming when he came, but he came anyway. Death is very demanding. 2 Samuel chapter number 14, verse number 14. Brothers, put that on the screen, please. Listen what the Bible says. 2 Samuel 14, verse 14. For we must needs die, and are as water spilt on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again, neither doth God respect any person. Death comes to us all. God doesn't respect any person. Watch. Yet doth he devise means that his banished be not expelled from him. That's good news. Death is a demanding foe, but I also want you to see that death is a defeated foe. See, the Bible says in Romans chapter 6 and verse number 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift... The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. How is death defeated? How is it possible that God changed everything through the life and the ministry through the person of Jesus? How is it? Well, let me show you. First Corinthians chapter 15. Flip over there with me. Look what the Bible tells us starting in verse number 20. First Corinthians chapter 15, the 20th verse. But now is Christ risen from the dead. If you believe Jesus rose from the dead, say amen. See, now let me tell you what we sometimes do in, in the evangelical churches, and I don't apologize for it. I'm glad of it. We're going to keep doing it. We preach a whole lot about the cross. Can you say amen? We're going to keep preaching about the cross. We're going to make our centerpiece the cross. Folks, if we don't preach about the cross and we don't preach about the blood, how can people ever get saved? Because the Bible says where there is no Shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. So we must preach about the cross. We must preach about the perfect shed blood of the Lord Jesus that washes away our sin. That's all well and good. We're going to keep doing it. But sometimes what we forget, I fear, is we forget the preaching of the resurrection. Yes, Jesus paid our sin debt at the cross. Yes, His blood was spilled so our sins could be washed clean. Oh, but listen to me, folks. He conquered the grave. He rose again. He rose again. And the Bible says, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits. Everybody say firstfruits. Of them that slept. To really understand what that means, you've got to go back to the Old Testament and read about the feast of the firstfruits let me tell you what they would do the jewish people would do at harvest time the high priest would go out into the field and he would get uh that first bit of wheat or that first bit of grain that had just grown up and was ready to be harvested and he would break it off and he would bring it into the temple and he would give the lord a wave offering you know what he would say you know what really what they were saying lord we thank you for providing what we needed in this harvest. We thank you for the first fruits and we thank you for the harvest. Amen. Jesus, the Bible says, became the first fruits when he rose again from the grave. He was the first fruits. Praise God, we are the harvest. If He conquered the grave, we too shall conquer the grave. See, I'm going to face death and you're going to face death if the Lord tarries in His coming. But, now listen, the Bible says when Jesus does return to rapture His church unto Himself, it says that those who are in the ground, those who are in the grave, will come forth from the grave and they will be reunited with their spirit and they'll have new bodies, amen. You don't believe me? Go over to the book of First Thessalonians with me. Let's go and read it. I don't want to. I, I want you to know that I'm giving you truth here. I want you to. I want to encourage you this morning as a child of God. First Thessalonians. And look down with me, please, at verse number uh, chapter four and verse number thirteen. He's preaching to the church here, to the believers, those who follow Christ. He said, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not. Now when he's talking about those who are asleep, he's talking about those believers who have died. It's amazing to me, death is such a defeated foe that when the Bible speaks of believers dying, they don't even use the term. The writers use asleep. Let me tell you why. For the believer, death is not final. Their body goes to the grave. This flesh goes back to the dust from whence it came, but our spirit goes to be with the Lord. Then he says, watch. Sorrow not, not as even others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him, so y'all, have, how many of y'all got some loved ones that's went on to be with Jesus? I've got a brother who's right now in heaven, he's went on to be with Jesus. I've got a, uh, several grandparents that's went on to be with Jesus, aunts and uncles that's been on to, went on to be with Jesus, several spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers that have been mentors of mine that I love dearly, brothers and sisters in Christ, they've went on to be with Jesus. But now Paul says, don't you think for a minute that God's not going to take them with him. When Hebrew comes to rapture his church, just like the old McKamey song, I, I love the McKameys. Years ago they sang a call, song talking about the groundbreaking. There's going to be a groundbreaking, there's going to come a time when the graves will open up and God will receive his own unto himself. That's what the Bible's talking about here, Watch. Verse number 15. For this we say unto you the word of the Lord that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel on the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Jesus is the first fruits. We are the harvest. If he conquered the grave and the grave had no control over him, the grave has no control over us because we are in Jesus and Jesus is in us. Can you say amen? For the believer, death is a defeated foe. Now let me tell you something. I want you to understand. I do not believe in soul sleep. Can me tell you why. The Bible does not teach soul sleep. Anybody who says the Bible does teach soul sleep has never read their Bible. Your loved ones are not spending time in the grave right now if they died in Jesus. Do you know that? They're not waiting for that day in the grave. See, that's not victory over the grave. The Bible says we have victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Victory over death, victory over hell, victory over the grave. We're going to read it in just a minute. We have victory. They're not waiting for that time. You know what the Apostle Paul says? He says to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. For the believer, our last breath on earth is followed by our first breath in heaven. For the believer, the Apostle Paul said, it's better for me that, or or for, for speaking to the church at Philippi. He said, it's better for me that I stay here and I keep ministering to the church. I keep writing this New Testament that the Holy Spirit's given me. It's better for me that I keep, or for you that I keep preaching this gospel. But for me, I'm ready to go on and be with Jesus. He's got something much better for me. Amen? So when Jesus comes back He brings the spirits the soul of those who have died in Christ with Him. Their bodies are resurrected for a new body which will meet with their spirit. We which are alive and remain shall be changed in the twinkling of an eye and we shall ever be with the Lord. Isn't that what it says? oh listen folks death is a defeated foe because when jesus rose again that first easter morning he crushed the power of death he defeated death now all those in christ has victory over it as well first corinthians chapter 15 Verse number twenty one. But now as Christ risen from verse number twenty, excuse. Me. But now as Christ risen from the dead and became the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. In the first Adam, death entered the world because of Adam's sin. But Jesus, being the last Adam, brought us life. For as in Adam all die, verse twenty two says, even so in Christ shall all be made. Alive. What Adam messed up in the garden by choosing to disobey God, Jesus got right when he came in his perfect birth, lived his perfect life, went and became the sacrificial offering for the sins of all mankind on the cross, and then conquered sin, death, hell, and the grave when he rose again. What Adam got wrong, the first Adam got wrong, the last Adam got right. In Adam all die in Christ all who trust in him are made alive are given eternal life for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life for god sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but through the but but uh the, through the son the world might be saved he did not send uh, jesus to condemn us but to save us John 3:36, he who believes on the Son has life. He who believes not has not life. Are you getting me? Jesus defeated death and now we can. That's why 1 Corinthians 15:57, look at this. 1 Corinthians 15:57, but thanks be to God, which gives us the victory. Victory over what? Sin, death. Hell and the grave. But thanks be to God which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus. Verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know not what your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Look at the next verse. Verse number 50. Uh, excuse me. Verse number 58. 59. Excuse me. Can't see. i going to need to put my glasses on. First Corinthians 15. Look at the next verse sir, brother. Sorry. Can't do it if it ain't there, can you? All right, back up. Instead of going forward, back up. Go back to verse 55. Oh, death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Jesus has took the sting out of death. Jesus has conquered Death because of the grave and paid for sin through his shed blood at the cross. Now, all who trust in him get sent on this victory. Are you getting me? Folks, we have an enemy. All of us do. Our enemy is a determined foe. We're all going to have to deal with him. He's a demanding foe, but you need to listen. He's also a defeated foe. He will be destroyed. The Bible says in Revelation chapter number 20 that death and hell will be thrown into the lake of fire. In Revelation 21, verse number 1, Neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain for the former things are passed away. Praise God. Death is defeated, death will be destroyed. And as a believer, I'm made a partaker of that. I have victory in Christ. Let me ask you, do you do you? Do you know that you know you've been born again? Do you know that death has been defeated for you? Folks, I'm not not looking to die. I'm not wanting to die. I'm not morbid. But I'm ready to die at the time comes. If my tick becomes my turn, I'm ready. Let me tell you why. I've trusted in Jesus. I'm trusted in the finished work of Christ for the forgiveness of my sin. I'm trusting in His righteousness. I know I've repented of my sin. I know I've placed faith in Christ. And the Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I've done that. Have you? If not, if you're not sure whether or not you've really done that, why not today? Death is something the believer need not fear. For the believer, it's little more than changing addresses to a much better neighborhood. So have you trusted in the finished work of Jesus? Do you have victory over your greatest enemy? Everybody stand together. If not, these altars are always open. I'm inviting you this morning to trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of sin. I'm inviting you this morning to place faith in Christ and be born again into the family of God. I can't do that for you. Being in this church is not enough. Being a good person, you'll never be good enough. Getting baptized, well, that's, that's part uh, of what God has commanded us to do, but baptism never saved anyone. Faith in Jesus saves you. Romans five one says that We have peace with God because we've been justified through the finished work of Christ. Do you have peace this morning? Do you know it? If not, why not today? Why not today be the day that you nail it down and say, this is, I know today, I trusted in in Jesus. The Bible says if you'll come, he will in no wise cast you out. If you need him, won't you come? If you already are saved, praise the Lord. How many of y'all glad you got victory in Jesus? (laughs) Death is coming, but I'm ready. I'm ready. Praise God for that. I'm preaching two funerals tomorrow. And so I've been thinking a lot this weekend about death. And I'll I'll be honest with you. I was doing all this studying on death. And boy, I just got happy in Jesus. I'm telling you, I almost had a Baptist fit. <laughs> Thinking about all this, this is nothing I have to fear. This is nothing you have to fear if you know Him. Wow. I, I look at people that I'm around every day that are so fearful of everything, especially. Death. And it breaks my heart. Because you don't have to live that way. You don't have to live that way. There was a time in my life when I would tremble in fear at night before I closed my eyes. Because I knew if I didn't wake up the next morning, something wasn't right between me and my God. I knew it. I knew I really wasn't what I was supposed to be, where I need to be. Matter of fact, I could see the evidence of God working in other people's lives, and I seen that they had something that I didn't, but I knew I didn't have it. Deep down, there was still that emptiness on the inside. And it wasn't until God the Holy Spirit convicted my heart and showed me my need for a Savior, and I just fell down hopeless and helpless before the Lord said, God, I need you. Save me. Lord, please save me. God, I can't do it. I'm tired of trying to do it. Lord, save me. Boy, I'm telling you, peace came. I'm not the same, brothers and sisters. I've been changed. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. If you don't know what that's like, you're missing out. So if you don't know him today, you come. If you do know him, come pray for others. Come pray for your family. Come pray for your pastor. Come pray for your church. This altar is a great place to get along with the Lord. So do it. I'm going to do it with you. This is your invitation. Do what God wants you to do. Brother, Play for us.